Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Abadisian, and this is Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind, two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour... Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sip slowly and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation. Mmm. Gotta say that's good stuff right there. Well, folks, thanks for joining me today on the show as we attempt to let the spirit inhabit the human. And what I mean by that is having the courage to examine the world we have co-created through our level of or lack of spiritual and consequently general awareness and by that I mean do we see ourselves as part of the bigger cosmic picture or are we running around like decapitated chickens lost in the minutiae of our sad sorry and all too busy lives gosh wasn't that a long sentence well I would say a cursory glance at today's world at large will answer that question in double quick time so for those of you who have not uh, tuned into the previous shows you have been spared. Uh, this show is divided into several segments. We devote a goodly chunk of time to Q&A, question and answer, because of course our goal is clarity with just a tiny hint of hilarity. And this segment, the Q&A, is also known as Stump the Shaman. Not to be confused with Stump the Shaman, by the way, because quite frankly, it wouldn't be decent. And I'm not really interested in that sort of thing anymore. Okay, after that, we have Philosophy Corner, also known as Plato Chips, because, my darlings, the fundamentals of philosophy should be on every school curriculum. And philosophy is followed by The Wizard's Gizzard, where we explore rituals that may quite possibly enhance our daily lives, or not. And after that, if we have time, and I always hope we do have time, we're going to put in Tarot A Go Go, where you put on your mystical bandana and journey with us through the cards of the Major Arcana. Somewhere in the middle of all that, if I don't forget, we have really bad but occasionally brilliant poetry from a mad suburban shaman. And who knows, we might have something else in store, so just go with the flow, as I will, and we'll see what happens, and hopefully all shall be well. But first, as we do every week, uh, let me take a look at the concerns over the last two weeks. What troubles have my peeps brought through my door? What has been coming in through my email? What is the major problem du jour? Well, it seems to be sleep. Sleep and sleep-related problems. Uh, Some people are not getting enough sleep. Some people are wanting to do nothing but sleep. And a few folks are afraid to dream, because when they do go to sleep, they have strange dreams and nightmares and all sorts of weirdness. And some folks are reporting no dreams at all, which isn't actually possible. But let's talk about dreams. What are dreams? What is a dream state? This is a huge subject, so we'll do a little taster today. So what is a dream? If we accept that all points in space and time are the same, which is mind-blowing, but pretty much the only theory that does make sense, then we accept that everything is happening simultaneously right here, right now. 
Well, that means we come to the conclusion that mm, everything is a dream, or as the ancients would say, a state of illusion. So are we dreaming now? Well, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Let's call it a waking dream, because according to our sense of chronology, we're not in bed and therefore we're awake. So we're fully focused on living on our chosen human personality realm. And that's our dominant focus. The dominant focus is the daily routine of this physical realm. When we're asleep and we're tucked up safe in our jammies in our beds, we're still alive, hopefully. But once our bodies fall asleep, we're not limited by the coding in our physical bodies, are we? We have a greater sense of our higher selves, our cumulative consciousness. And we're immersed in that greater awareness. When we are, we're set free. We're free to wander the universe and have interesting adventures, which we call dreams. Because every state of being is pretty much a dream state, dream work, lucid dreaming in particular, is the core of a shaman's training and it's fascinating stuff. So how do we make sense of our sleeping dreams? How can they help us in our waking dreams? Which part of us does the dreaming? Is it the soul? Is it the human interface? Is it all of it? So when you look up dreams, I had, I'd got this psychology dictionary here. I have no idea why, but I have it. So I looked up dreams and it says, a train of hallucinatory experiences with a certain degree of coherence, but often confused and bizarre, taking place in the condition of sleep and similar conditions. Similar conditions being sort of trance states, meditation states, that sort of thing. Well, it's not much of an explanation, really, but then again, most people would describe their dreams exactly as the above. Surreal, weird, and bizarre. Why do so many people have insomnia? You know, life today is busy. We're constantly bombarded by more information than we can comfortably handle, and these days by extremes in polarity of thought. And our minds, they're giant receptors. They're constantly receiving input and constantly trying to put out everything in the right file, in the right order. But most people's lives are so fast paced that instead of filing, our minds just go into some sort of a holding pattern, storing for later processing. But that doesn't work, does it, if you're too busy to set up and label your folders? Now, if we spend time in prayerful contemplation and we have a regular habit of meditation, our minds do sort themselves out quite a bit better. But if we don't have such habits, well, you know, our dream states are going to be confused. And a lot of the imagery is going to get lost in the inner corridors of our minds. And we have a lot of corridors in our minds, people. So our cautious minds, they feel limited when awake. And when we're asleep, we get out of town, we get out of our way and our higher selves take over. Because without the inhibitions of waking life, our higher minds not only sort through the day's thoughts, but from that relaxed and elevated perspective, new ideas, fresh scenarios are provided, are given to us. And dreams are so personal, aren't they? I mean, the imagery of dreams. I mean, dream dictionaries, they're fun. I've got one. I've got several, actually. Uh, they're fun to look at, and they do provide some general guidance. But in addition to selective cultural symbolism, each of us has a unique perspective, and as such, dream interpretation, it just is not an exact science. A red rooster means one thing to an Asian, for example, and quite another to a European. 
You know, if you go to a feng shui practitioner uh, in Asia and say, oh, uh, my workmates are um, are attacking me, they'll give you, they'll say, oh, buy a little red rooster statue and put it on your desk and it will peck away at your enemies. Well, you can't tell that to an Englishman. He's not going to put a rooster on his desk, is it? I mean, he's going to put a bulldog to bark at his enemies. So, you know. Gaining insight into our dreams, it takes a bit of time and it takes a bit of work, but it's essential if we want to return to wholeness or holiness. Or, and it's a major part of any spiritual path, again, because everything's a dream. So we don't dream only when we're asleep. Anything outside source really could be considered a dream. So, you know, best to remember that. Because all of us, we've got the same three questions. Who am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose in life? Well, dream work actually can help us to answer those questions, to find the answers. It takes us back to the bigger picture because, again, you're going to hear this from me all the time because this is where it happens. The entire cosmos is a dream. That's the bigger picture. I mean, look around you. Just take a moment and look around you. Everything you see is made up. We make it up as we go along. Nothing is real. It's all a process. It's all an experience. We dreamt this world into existence and now most of us feel trapped inside of our own creation. Oops, that's sad. So are the events in our sleeping dreams any less valid than the events in our waking state? Well, no. Everything's a dream within a dream and perhaps within yet another dream and so forth. In fact, sleeping dreams can be potent and powerful, full of intuitive guidance because we're not limited by the physical coding. You know, you're driving to work, you think you're awake, but you're not. You're in a waking dream. Because the only part of you that's real, as in it never changes, it's eternal, is your cosmic divine soul. And that's safe at home, actually, deep within source in what we call the islands of paradise. It's dreaming that you're awake and off to another mind-blowingly exciting day at the office. And when you're in bed and you're asleep and you're snoring and you're dreaming actually that you're asleep and snoring because every state of being outside source potential is a dream. Now sometimes during our dream states, our sleeping dream states, we dream about other dreams we experienced in our sleeping dream states. In other words, we're dreaming in our dreams about dreams we've had when we've been asleep in other dreams. And those are the ones that get really bizarre and really unfathomable. You know, they're just crazy. You can't make any sense of them. It's like you're inside Dali picture or something. But, you know, with a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of meditation practice, these things unwind and unfold and we start to make sense of them. So metaphysicians, you know, we're always talking about the illusion of duality, duality. There is no duality. And dream work whether you approach it from a very spiritual or scientific angle, it's all the same, it's just a different set of language. Dream work will smash that illusion because there is no duality. There is only unity. Separation is a perceptional error. So why should our lives be different in our sleeping dreams than in our waking dreams? You know, we identify so much with the contents of our minds, don't we? Well, we're not our minds. Our minds are the knowledge contained within us and also the process for using that knowledge. The universal mind that everyone talks of is not God. It is the knowledge contained within whatever you want to call God and the process for using that knowledge. 
we're all pretty much aware of our conscious mind, which governs our present and our, our practical awareness. Right now I reach for my martini and my arm lifts and my hand clasps the cup and I can bring it to my lips and mm, yum, yum, yum. So, you know, my conscious mind uses the calculator. It balances my checkbook. It does all those things. But we also have this great pool of wisdom, of experience, called the subconscious mind. It's a memory bank. It has a huge capacity for storing data. And, you know, we're allowed to retrieve that data. We never forget anything, even if we can't consciously recall it. You know, go to a good hypnotherapist, because they've proved this time and time again. They'll have you remembering things from past lives, future lives. Well, they can convince you you can actually see on the other side of a wall, which, of course, you can if you're in a heightened state of awareness. Our subconscious minds, they've memorized, you know, memorized all of our likes and our dislikes and all of the functions that keep us, you know, within these comfortably established parameters. Interesting that we rarely access that because we become rather frightened of ourselves and of our glory. You know, I think that's probably why affirmations don't work. That's something else that comes up a lot. Affirmations don't work. Why am I doing affirmations? Well, if deep down you don't believe you're unlimited, cosmic, divine, whatever you want to call it, your mindset will just default to the established safety parameters. We've got to learn to access the inner corridors of our mind. You know, we're so resistant to change, it, it, but why? Well, it pushes us outside of an established comfort zone. And that's where the adventure is, you see. You know, the subconscious mind wants you to access it, but on the other hand, it's scared that when you do access it, you're going to crash and burn because that's how we do. And again, a little bit of breathing, a little bit of meditation every day. You know, why do we go on and on and on about breathing protocol, meditation, and people roll their eyes and go, oh, no, no, she's going to bring up meditation again. Oh, God, not that again. If we're not calm in our auras, if our electrical systems aren't, you know, balanced and set to default specifications, how are we going to access all the glory that's available to us in the cosmos? So, you know, when you do the breathing and you do the meditation, really what you're saying to your subconscious is, hey, it's me. It's okay. You can trust the local me with the greater me. And guess what? I'm going to visit you every day until we reestablish that trust. You know, it opens a door into that deep pool of your experiences in the subconscious. The pool of everything you've ever done, liked or disliked. Wow. Don't you want access to that? I do. And the more we do this, the greater grows our comfort zone until we have no fear of adventuring beyond it. And that's when dreams, life in general, starts to get really exciting. And then it's useful, you see, because there's this game of life. And there aren't really any rules. Because <laughs> we make it up as we go along. There are certain universal laws that as a collective consciousness uh, we've decided to ignore. But one person stepping outside their safety zone and taking a chance and saying, I believe the cosmos is amazing, and by the way, I made it and it made me, that's what expands consciousness. And it's all a bigger dream, dreams that we can share. So the goal, I guess, is to become more present, more aware, and then, oh my gosh, guess what happens? We disregard our social programming, and we reclaim our minds, we lose our fear. Ooh, 
Ooh, that little thing in there called the pineal gland, it starts to glow and it connects us with the unified field of infinite intelligence, which sometimes is called the superconscious mind. Everybody has a name for something, uh, and so do I. I'm delighted to make up names left, right, and center for things. Now, let's take a look at the practical application of dream states. It would be basically sleeping, because that's what people focus on most is the sleeping dream. Let's talk a little bit about that, because um, most of people's dream work, as they would understand it, would be at night in bed. So our physical condition very much affects our sleep patterns. If we eat just before sleeping, for example, we'll probably have indigestion and we'll dream about a giant sandwich chasing after us, attempting to smother us in mustard and being whacked on the head by a giant dill pickle. Whack, whack, whack. And if you go to bed impaired by alcohol or drugs, all bets are off. And good luck making sense of those dreams. And I really wouldn't make sense of those dreams. I would just uh, ask yourself, why did I have that second martini? Mm. Other thing, big thing, take a look at your bedroom. Is it comfortable? Is it free of clutter? Is there anything under the bed? If so, what? What are you sleeping on? You know, a little bit of learning the basics of feng shui, uh, or however you want to pronounce it, not a bad thing. When I clear people's rooms, uh, people's houses, which I, I do for a living, I spiritually clear them. I mean, don't call me to haul out your trash. I won't do that. Your spiritual trash, that's my job. I look at all the stuff that's underneath people's beds. Now, I understand it's a, it's, it's a useful storage area, but I've come across some very strange things under people's beds, and I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, what are you sleeping on is a very good place to start. The other thing, if you have insomnia, because if you don't, none of this matters. If you have insomnia, are there any mirrors in the room facing the bed? Because mirrors bounce energy backwards and forwards and strange things. I mean, does your bedroom open to the door of your ensuite bathroom and is there a giant mirror there? So think about these things. You don't have to remove mirrors. You can just cover them up. You know, cover them up with a, with a cloth or if it's a huge mirror, uh, think about getting a screen that you can put in front of the mirror at night. A lot of people have those wardrobes that's all mirrors. Uh, and lovely if you want to look at yourself like that every morning, super. But at night, if you're not sleeping, buy a fancy little screen and just put it in front of the thing. It just you know, works wonders and it's an easy fix. You know, furniture at odd angles, creating strange energy pathways. You know, when you go to work, you declutter your desk, don't you? Because you get optimum value from that. You want to do the same with your bedroom. Declutter the bedroom. And mattresses, beds themselves, especially mattresses, absorb so much stuff. Do you have unpleasant memories? Is that the bed that you slept in with your shitty little boyfriend or girlfriend? A, a horrible breakup? Get a new mattress. You don't have to get a new bed, just get a new mattress. Our sleep room, wherever we choose to sleep, it should be an oasis of calm. It should be neat and tidy, uncluttered, aired out regularly. Stagnant dreams, stagnant air. Open the windows, get some air. Keep it fresh. The other thing, and you know, I talk about this a lot, and it's always over, you know, underrated, I would say. Hydration, people. We are, what's that popular meme that's going around? We're basically, what are we, 70% water? So we're basically cucumbers with anxiety. Keep hydrated. The brain, all of us, we're in an electrical field. The whole being is an electrical field and water is essential for conduction. If your brain is dry, it's a gonna fry. And, uh, you know, if it's nice and moist, woohoo, lovely. So are you well hydrated? 
another thing in this modern day, uh, try to step away from your computer screen or any kind of screen at least one hour before retiring. Relax the eyes. If you're unable to shut down your mind in bed, even after you've done all these things, turn your attention to your breath. Inhale, exhale. Fill yourself with the brain, you know, the breath of the divine cosmos. And oxygen will make you high. It's a lovely high and it's legal and it's free. And just imagine yourself floating up to the heavens and just say, I'm going to sleep. I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep. You know, some people like to take a few sniffs of essential oils. Uh, you know, there are some that are designed for pre-sleep relaxation. Take a look at the practical aspect of your sleep and that would help. All right. So we look at, in shaman law, in ancient shaman law, the four stages of sleep. Um, now, when I read these out, do remember, you know, you, we do slip in and out of REM sleep on and off throughout the night. REM is that rapid eye movement where we really, really have, um, you know, ooh, amazing dreams. Um, but even when we're not in REM sleep, we do have dreams. Sometimes it's more of a blip of a dream, more of a mumbling dream, more of fragments uh, rather than those long drawn out epics. But basically, you know, the four stages of a good sleep is we relax and the distinction between the worlds slowly begins to fade. In that time, in our dreams, we're making peace, you know, with events we've participated in. In our primary realm of experiences, we dump out, we sort out, we resolve. And if events are closely connected to past life issues, well, we're experiencing resolution in all of those lives at the same time, which is lovely. And then we move on to sort of number three, and you're in the field of pure potential. We receive the inspiration. Um, and in our dreams, because our soul is free of the human interface and can fly free and play, we act out scenarios. Have you ever had dreams where you, you, you sort of, for example, asking your boss for a raise? And you have five or six goes at it until you think you've got it right. You think, well, why am I dreaming this? Well, it's a scenario that you, in your higher self, have set up. Because you see, in your dreams, you're safe. There's no physical consequences, generally, in dream work. So it's not just things that are happening to you in dreams. It's scenarios that you can actually set up. Uh, and then, you know, we get into those uh, sort of level four with the prophetic visions, the high-level guidance, and hopefully final resolutions to, to any issues, you know, we, we need. And we'll slip in and out of all of those states all through the night. Lucid dreaming is something I think everybody should have an awareness of. And what that means is that you're aware that you're dreaming. In other words, you're aware and alert in the dream, knowing full well that you are not in the physical realm. Though in the physical realm, we think, we try to control events. It's actually a lot easier in our sleeping dreams to control events because there are no physical consequences to it. And how much control we have during the experience can vary. Um, sometimes in these uh, lucid dreaming things, you can control every single movement. You can fly, you can teleport, you can turn a dog into a peach if you are hungry, I suppose, and you don't want to eat the dog. In some dreams, you'll be aware, but have very little control. It varies. But the goal is to achieve a high level of awareness. And that means knowing that everything you're experiencing is happening in your mind and you're safe enough to influence events without consequences. And that's the true value of lucid dreaming, I guess, is 
you're safe as you experiment with multiple scenarios in your sleeping or vision dreams. There are no physical consequences. So you become accustomed to trying things out. You become bold, creative and daring. And as you develop this sense of the unlimited, bold, daring, creative you in your sleep and vision dreams, you bring this part of you into your waking dream. You will bring the best of you into this realm and end what is for most an endless cycle of mediocrity and powerlessness, which is a plague on our planet today. Now, it won't happen overnight, but with a little persistence, diligence and focus, great things can happen. You know, the greatest wizards have spent countless hours in repetitive mind reclamation exercises. But just because they're repetitive, it doesn't mean they have to be boring. In fact, dream work is quite the opposite. And I can attest to that because I've been doing it for years. If I get bored with something, I'm not going to do it. So here's a little something for you to experiment with. And as with all exercises... Prepare yourself, have a glass of water, do some stretching, um, deep breathing, nine deep breaths to calm yourself, okay? Here's a little visualization. You find yourself walking down a gravel path in an idyllic pastoral setting. You're surrounded on both sides by lovely meadows filled with grass and a glorious variety of wildflowers and a hint of their aroma is carried by a gentle breeze. Breathe it in. Let it saturate your senses. Really create that aroma of those beautiful wildflowers. You're walking and you come to a crossroads. Now, you can take a chance and continue to walk through the meadow. Lord knows where to. Or you can take a slightly wider cobblestone path marked quaint small village ahead. It's a beautiful day in late spring. It's warm and bright. All is well with the world. Why not visit the village? You can just about see it. Yes, there it is up ahead. So as you make your way down the cobblestone path, you delight in the smooth stones under your feet. The gravel path was crunchy and dusty and not particularly comfortable. In no time at all, you reach the village. And it is indeed small and quaint and quite charming, just like a picture postcard. Hey, why don't you explore it and chat with the locals? Don't be shy. Don't be nervous. They love visitors. They love showing off their village. Just walk around and say hello and take it from there. When you're ready to go home, take the cobblestone path back to the crossroads. Can you smell those wonderful wildflowers? They fill up your senses with both peacefulness and joy. Now it's time to take the gravel path back to your home on the physical realm. Feel the crunch of the gravel under your feet. And keep walking and keep walking. And when you open your eyes, you'll be back where you started. Take a moment to survey your surroundings and get your bearings. Run your fingers through your hair. Then place your hands about a foot or so in front of your face. It's me. I'm safe. I'm home. Okay, Arnie, uh, what was the purpose of that sweet little exercise? Creative empowerment, my darlings. If you own your mind, you can travel anywhere in the cosmos and create an experience, any experience you desire, because everything outside source potential is a dream. You're unlimited. The laws of physics have no dominion in our minds, in our dreams. We can create anything we darn well please, just like we did after the Big Bang. 
Just imagine that. You're free from social conditioning. You're free to experiment without consequence. And if you're haunted by nightmares, which many people are, lucid dreaming will help you gain control of the terrifying scenarios. And, you know, it'll influence the course of events in your favor. If fear and anxiety have held us back in this realm, lucid dreaming will help us develop scenarios to overcome those setbacks. Because in that realm of dream, sleep dream, we're safe, we're safe, we're safe. And it develops mental imagery. If you can dream it, you can live it. And that's important, you see, because imagination is the key and the entire cosmos is a creative playground. The dreamers come up with the big ideas. And a lack of imagination, man, that makes for a sad and limited life experience. So, you know, you want to study lucid dreaming? Start off by just buying a 101 book on it. And it'll start to awaken things within you. And, of course, you can always come and study with me or many people who do dream work. But it expands awareness without drugs. And it's a permanent solution to co-creating a wonderful cosmos. So, I think I've talked a little bit more than I thought I would about this. Um, but it was a little amuse-bouche for you. You know, oh, I'm just going to take a sip of my martini here. Mm. It's a huge subject because all life is a dream. But... If you see the greater picture and the potential of the dreams, I don't you know, like it when people come to me and say, I'm afraid to go to sleep because I'm having bad dreams. No, if you can't control yourself and have power in a realm that is non-physical, you're gonna have real trouble on the physical realm. That's the main thing I'm trying to get across. Okay, so now it's time to talk about Q and A. Moving along here. Now, Q&A. Do you have questions about life, the universe, and everything in between? Are you just as confused about it as I am? Then drop me a line and let's share the confusion. Emails to Arnie at ArnieAvidician.com Snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. Just a reminder, please don't leave your um, questions on my voicemail and go on and on and on and on because it's just ridiculously tedious and I will delete them immediately but I will read all of your emails and letters. Our first question comes from Maddie. Maddie, hello Maddie, who is in North Carolina and she asks Dear Suburban Shaman, has anyone asked you to define the meaning of life? <laughs> I don't mean to sound glib but that is my question. Well, Maddie, uh, I haven't heard the word glib for a long time, so thank you for your expansive vocabulary. Um, I have been asked that question many times, and if I'm honest, I've asked it myself more than once. There are many ways to answer that question, I suppose, but the common denominator answer is to go forth and create multiple levels of existence and to experience life as much and as fully as we can, with the goal being to realize, no matter how far we think we are from Source Center, that we are pure, unblemished cosmic space souls created from unconditional love and absolute equality. And once that is realized, all errors in perception are corrected, resulting in a fair and equitable society mirroring our true cosmic nature. Well, the Big Bang it was one hell of an experiment, wasn't it? You know, when we banged, um, did any of us know what we would create and how it would turn out? Probably not. So I guess the meaning of life is whatever meaning we give it, and that depends on how much of the big picture we see. It's easy to get caught up in the miserable details. 
you know, and the establishment, of course, is all too happy to keep us human, indoctrinated, distracted and in debt. And the only way out of that fruitless loop to nowhere is to reclaim our minds from this official narrative. And it starts with spending time each day, you know, asking these questions, these bigger questions, taking the time to quietly ponder and contemplate existence in all its forms. Just staring at the stars on a clear night shatters illusions of limitations. Who lives up there? How many of those are planets? What do those people look like? What do they eat? Do they think about us? Like, whoa, what's that? Is that a planet? What do people on Earth do, you know? And that said, of course, I must say, each incarnation has its own subplot in the greater picture. We choose to come down and deal with a variety of issues. Validation of self, how to forgive, how to trust, fill in the gaps. But all of it is in the name of alignment and whatever we choose to call alignment with supreme cosmic intelligence to saturate our realm of experiencing with the aforementioned energy. What is the meaning of life? Answers on a postcard to WTF LIFE PO Box 714 Wilsonville, Oregon 97070 USA. Thank you, Maddie, for your excellent question, and I hope you have a very happy life. Okay, here's an email from Josh, who lives in Germantown in Maryland. I used to call it Maryland, but apparently it's Maryland. Josh says, Hey, suburban shaman, I'm a suburban welder. (laughs) I'm not naive. I know the folks on top are corrupt, but I struggle with some of the so-called conspiracy theories. My buddy probably also a welder, right, is convinced that many earthquake storms, etc., like the ones in California last month, are man-made events. I guess I could go there, but I'd rather not. And my question to you is, is there any truth in this? And if there is, why do they do it? By the way, I love your little pink alien guy, Zook, and his video blips on your YouTube channel. You should animate him and do like a whole storyline with him. It would be cool. Hey, Josh, thanks for your comments on Zook. He is a cute little alien, isn't he? Well, we'd love to animate him and we'd love to do lots of things with him. But, you know, we have to get some funding because that's really beyond our skill set. So we'll do just that. And when we do it, we'll dedicate the first video to you. Zook meets Josh the Welder. Orbiting the universe and orbiting welding, orbital welding, orbital welding, orbit that actually makes sense. Orbiting the universe and orbital welding. Oh, that what a show that will be. All right. Um, oh, you did ask a question. <laughs> yes. With regard to the earthquakes, etc., being man-made, your buddy is correct. The technology to do that sort of thing has been around for quite a while now. Why do they do it? Why is evil evil? to maintain power. Evil exists where there's no empathy. Sometimes it's to cause chaos and confusion. Sometimes it is to cover up evidence. Look, the quakes you refer to, I think, the July California quakes, they were a cover-up. The the cabal, deep state, Illuminati, whatever the heck we're calling the sociopathic scumbags these days, they actually blew up their underground base, which apparently housed not just offices and living quarters, quarters, but laboratories and a whole network of dark agenda. You see, and then, ooh, and then Epstein gets arrested and, oh my gosh, now he's dead from a non-suicide. Suicide, connecting the dots, isn't it? I mean, it's painful. It's painful to have your worldview messed with, but we have to put on our big person panties and connect the dots. And Josh, 
you will need those big person panties because once you do connect the dots, I guarantee you will poop yourself. If we go back and look at the so-called, well, unexpected disasters that people thought were natural, but they were unexpected. You know, the fire in Northern California not too long ago, um, near Santa Rosa, campfire, paradise. Something just doesn't add up. You know, and if we feel that way about something, we owe it to ourselves and to each other to investigate, to do some research, because if we don't, they'll just keep getting away with it. And we will have given away all of our power, ounce by ounce, until it's too late to do anything about it. So thanks for your question, Josh. Remember, you are part of we the people and not the sheeple. So get out there, do some research before it's too late to do anything except weeple. Yes, I think we can squeeze in one more question. Oh, oh, this is a good one. I have a letter here from Western Supermare, <laughs> which is a lovely seaside town back in Somerset, back in the UK. And this question is from Daphne. And Daphne says... I subscribe to your monthly newsletter, Monday Messages, and in one of the older ones, you clearly state that there would be no nuclear war on this planet, nor would there be any nuclear explosions of note allowed. In a world filled with darkness, how do you know this? And Arnie, how can you be so sure? Well, Daphne, the only thing I can say with any certainty is that God is great. But that said, here's how I came by that intel. I heard it from Matthew Ward of Messages from Matthew. Nuclear explosions really mess up our light bodies. Ooh, what a surprise. And we do need our light bodies to function through all realms and all levels of experience. So creator, that would be not God, not God of this universe, but source creator, decreed that all and any attempts to detonate nuclear devices would be thwarted. Now, ours is a free will universe, but this nuclear detonation is now an exception to that free will. I believe, if my intel is correct, that 1992 was the last nuclear bomb test, as far as I know. Um, 1945, of course, the dreadful events of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and that's how we know it's messing up the light bodies. Matthew Ward, by the way, does come up in my work from time to time and with good reason. And you can receive his messages by visiting his website, matthewbooks.com. Matthew himself, he died in 1980 and channels his messages through his mother, the delightful and very sassy Suzanne Ward. He has no agenda other than to enlighten us, and he does a good job of that. By the way, don't confuse him with another Matthew Ward who's very much alive and is a Christian musician. That is not messages from Matthew. So um, we're not going to have a nuclear explosion. So, you know, people all over the world are probably saying, great dictator, I do not know why it is not working. We have done everything right, you know. So I think it's wonderful. I think it's one less thing to worry about. With all the problems we have in the world, we're not going to have a nuclear explosion. Thanks for the question, Daphne. I had some lovely fish and chips in Western Supermare a while ago, and I do hope to do that again in the near future. I do miss London, uh, England. I know you're in Somerset. Somerset's lovely, and I hope to visit everyone there soon. So thanks, everyone, for your questions. Keep them coming, because we need to take these discussions into the mainstream. All right, quick time check. Yes, there's time. All right. So it's now time for a bit of philosophy, and I like to call this section... Plato Chips. This is where we share a quote from a philosopher of note. 
So this week's chosen theorist is Sir Francis Bacon, 1561 to 1626. So who was Frankie Bacon? Well, he was a philosopher. That's why he's on Plato Chips. Uh, He was a statesman. He was a pioneer of modern scientific thought. He was born the son of Sir Nicholas Bacon, keeper of the Great Seal for Elizabeth I. Now, that's a big job. And he was bright. Oh, I'm sure Nicholas was bright. I'm talking about Francis now. So Francis was bright. He was well-educated. He was well-connected. But for whatever reason, Elizabeth I did not care for him, so he didn't do very well under her reign. Uh, His career didn't prosper until James I took over. Hoo-hoo, James I. That was a piece of work. Anyway, after a none-too-shabby career under James I, not literally under, but, you know, under James I, Bacon ended up as Keeper of the Seal, and his father would have been very proud of that. But... He was this great statesman and blah, blah, blah. But his real interest lay in science. So I'm sure you've all read his 1620 blockbuster Novum Organum, an account of the correct method of acquiring natural knowledge. You know, he's big in the scientific world because he popularized the scientific method, I would say, whereby the laws of science are discovered by gathering and analyzing data from experiments and observations rather than by using logic-based arguments. Um, In other words, to put that in the words of a normal human being like myself, beliefs don't change facts, but facts should change your Beliefs, And if you went to school and studied any type of science, the inductive method is uh, is the beginning of the Baconian era of, uh, of practical science. So, in other words, you don't start with a hypothesis or a theory. You look at facts and then you go from there, which is the opposite of uh, the Aristotle method of thinking. And uh, anyway, so why am I talking about Francis Bacon? Well, I'm talking about Francis Bacon for many reasons. One, if you're interested in you know, how we evolve, because he was at a time where we were getting gunpowder and printing presses and the world was really changing. You can go look him up. But I wanted to talk about um, him today because there's this sweet little story <laughs> about how he died. So as a philosopher and a scientist, he was very interested in experimentation. And one day, he was in a carriage with a friend of his, and it was uh, winter. And he's, uh, you know, driving through Highgate in, in, you know, around the greater London area in the UK. And he has this idea that, uh, you know, meat has been preserved in salt for so long. He wondered if snow, because it was snowing all around him, he wondered if snow could preserve meat. So he... I guess he found a chicken cellar (laughs) and he bought a chicken and he had the chicken cellar gutted and then he went and he stuffed it with snow, stuffed it from the inside and then packed it in snow uh, and then just put it on his lap and continued uh, going to wherever he was going. But somewhere along the line, he got such a chill from this that he died of pneumonia. And that was terrible. And this is a great illustrious career that he had. And he died experimenting with chicken and snow. And when he did die, I think it was the Earl of Arundel's house, if I'm not mistaken, in Highgate, nobody actually has witnessed his ghost, per se. No one says, oh, the ghost of Sir Francis Bacon is walking around. But they have seen the chicken ghost. People have said many times, we have seen the ghost of a chicken walking these halls. Well, is it true? Is it woo? Or is it just a load of pluckery? 
who knows? I've not experimented with this one. I haven't gone to that particular paranormal uh, anomaly place, so I, I will next time I'm back in the UK. So here's a quote from Bacon, the quote of note that gets my vote. Imagination was given to man to compensate him for what he is not. A sense of humour to console him for what he is. I like that one. Um, he also said, If a man will begin with certainties, he shall end in doubts. But if he will content himself to begin with doubts, he shall end in certainties. Hmm. Well, folks, there's some Francis Bacon for you. A lovely name. Uh, Bacon died of a frozen chicken. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I, don't, well, I, I, I found that funny. Anyway, sorry if you didn't. Okay. Now, um, we should do some sound effects. I think I've got a gong here. There we are. There's the gong. Right. Now it's time for really bad but occasionally brilliant poetry from a mad suburban shaman. Okay, you're gonging too long. Stop. Stop. My thing's going into the red. Yes, folks, after a hard day shamaning, I like to go home, put my feet up, have a cup of tea or a small drinky-poo, and write non-peer-reviewed poetry. Why have Shakespeare and literary prowess when you can have me and a whole lot less? This week, I was motivated to write poetry about candy from my school days back in the UK. I have no idea why I was motivated to do this, probably because I'm on another one of my famous diets, but here we go. Here's a few offerings which I hope you enjoy, because if you don't enjoy them, well, you'll be bored, won't you? Okay, here's the first one, and it's called Fry's Turkish Delight. They can make their fancy commercials, full of sand and eastern promise. But once you bite into the stuff, you'll become a doubting, vomiting Thomas. In colour and texture and taste, it resembles nuclear waste. My money and faith were misplaced and the Ottoman Empire disgraced. If you don't believe me, go out and buy this concoction called Fry's Turkish Delight. It's just absolutely revolting. If you don't throw up on the first bite, there's something wrong with you. Okay, this next one is one of my favourite chocolates ever. Aero. Go out and buy one. Chocolate-covered bubbly nothings. A sorcerer's vision of an etheric feast. Aero, Aero, oh Aero. You wicked, non-conformist, existential beast. Aero's are delicious, by the way, people. It's sort of bubbles. It's chocolate bubbles. It's very light and therefore ooh, fewer in calories. <laughs> All right, one more, one more. Okay, and it's called In Praise of Eccles Cakes. For those of you who do not know, there is a town in Lancashire called Eccles and they make something called Eccles Cakes in the north of England. And it's, it's just delicious. It's like buttery, flaky pastry with lovely raisins in them. And you can make them from home. Um, but if you do buy uh, a ready-made Eccles Cake, you have to buy them from the real Lancashire Eccles Cakes company, for, with which I have no affiliation. Um, but they are the best. Everything else is just rubbish. So once you've had an Eccles Cake, man, oh, life is good. So here is my uh, devotion to Eccles Cakes in praise of Eccles Cakes. Oh, divine concoction, bathed in good butter, those who dislike thee belong in the gutter. Thou art so fluffy, 
thou art so flaky, filled with sweet raisins, and then <laughs> we bake thee a cup of strong tea and an Eccles for eating. Nothing tastes better and is well worth repeating. There we are. There's my ode to Eccles cakes. I normally do that in a northern accent, um, <clears throat> but out of respect to my northern English friends, I didn't. So, okay. All right. And now I think we have time for, yes, we're going to do the wizard's gizzard. Do, 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 do. A little spiritual ritual that you can make habitual. Yes, indeed. Today's advice from the whiz giz is this. Don't take your problems to bed with you. I hear you snickering. No jokes about husbands and wives, please. If you tuned in to the earlier part of this show, you'll know that your bedroom is a multi-dimensional portal for your dreamscapes, so keep it pure. When you get ready for bed, before actually hitting the sack, sit for five minutes with your breath and ask yourself these two simple questions. What did I do today to better myself? And what did I do today to benefit my community? Or what did I do today to make the world a better place? Now, chances are the answer to both those questions might well be, well, not a lot actually, but that's okay. At least we're asking, and if we ask day after day, it sets up a pattern and we look for things to do to better ourselves, our local communities, and consequently the world at large. Keep breathing to clear the aura of redundant thought patterns, and once the oxygen relaxes you and you start yawning, off to bed you go. Clear aura, ready for some super cosmic dream adventures. That's it. It's simple. It's short. <gasps> Just like me. Okay, time to have a sip of my martini. Hang on, I'll be right back. Yep. Oh, good. Right. I just finished my martini. Hmm. Right. Naughty girl. All right. Time check. Fantastic. We're on. Now it's time for a little section I like to call Tarot A Go Go. A little shenanigana with a major arcana. As we continue our journey through the major arcana, this week's card is number two the High Priestess. Just a reminder, folks, I'm using the Rider Weight deck as it's the most commonly used and familiar to most. So if you're following on using another deck, um, well, there you are. Not much I can do about that, is it? Right. So let's take a look at this card. Let's really take a moment to look at it. This card just reeks of intuitive awareness, doesn't it? It says to me, I dare you to look beyond the divine veil. Do you have the courage to seek the wisdom of the feminine divine? Mortal, do not look away. Look at me, not through me. She sits on her throne, lunar crescent at her feet, horned diadem and globe on her head, a solar cross on her chest. The scroll of arcane wisdom marked Torah in her hand and she's sitting between the pillars of Boaz and Yakim, which stood on the porch of Solomon's temple. Completion of the Arch of Shalom not quite shown in the picture. This card is mystery. It's mysticism. It's shimmering, radiant vestments. She oozes secret wisdom, 
ancient knowledge. Something is definitely going on beneath the surface here. Mankind, she says, you swim in the shallows and wonder why you thirst. You splash and sweat and heave and curse and then wonder why your efforts are for naught. Do you not know how to turn your thoughts within? To discover the marvellous mysteries of your true nature? To know peace of mind, you must first know your mind. And in that, in that, mankind, you are woefully inadequate. Seek the power of inner tranquility so that you may discover your original purpose. You are made from the one true light, yet you act in ways brutish and coarse. You swim against the current. You waste your time on earth. Quiet your mind and let your destiny be revealed unto you. Quiet your mind and let divine consciousness guide you. Mm, I don't know that I have a favorite card. I've been working with tarot ooh, since I was 11. Uh, that was a very, very long time ago, approximately five decades ago. But I love the mystery of the feminine divine embodied in this card. So tarot is not just for divination. Who can tell the future? I mean, you know, every thought we have changes the future. But tarot is a wonderful vehicle for meditation. Just looking at these cards and just traveling into them. It's a beautiful thing. You should all show up for my tarot classes here in Wilsonville in Northern Oregon. They're brilliant and they're fun and they're not what you expect because that's not what we use tarot for. So anyway, drop me a line if you want to know more about that. And let's do a quick time check here. I'm always doing time checks at some point as I get better at these. <laughs> it will all flow a little bit better. But thank you for sticking with me. And by the way, thank you for all the encouragement I get um, f you know, from the people who watch the YouTube and uh, the people who just send me the emails saying, keep at it, it'll get better, hang in there. I really appreciate the encouragement. I really appreciate that you tell me how much you enjoy the show because it's very difficult when you're on the outer edges of metaphysics. You're sort of a lone voice crying in the wilderness, trying to spread awareness in a world that does not want its worldview messed with. So it warms the cockles of my heart, my darlings, to hear from you. It preserves my sanity. So I thank you all from the heart of my bottom for doing that. All right. Well, where are we? Well, I think we're done. My darlings, I think that's it. I think we've come to the end of this show. We have wasted one whole hour of linear time, an hour we will never get back. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Today's real-life physical martini was carefully crafted by yours truly using Crater Lake Vodka made right here in Oregon. Yes, folks, we have an entire lake filled with the stuff. Yet another reason to spend your tourist dollars with us. Now, I have no affiliation with Crater Lake Vodka, but wouldn't it be wonderful if they wanted to sponsor me? Call me, Crater Lake Vodka. Call me. I'm Arnie Avedisian. This was a Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.